Hi, this is a bonus Q&A episode. I try and go live every Thursday afternoon on the School for the Dogs Instagram account, which is simply at School for the Dogs. If you would like to ask a question in advance or be notified when I am going to go live, you can go to schoolforthedogs.com slash Q&A. I also periodically answer questions on Clubhouse. You can find me there at Annie Grossman. Hello, everyone. Uh, Annie here to do our weekly Q&A. If you uh, have a question, go ahead and uh, put it here. I got a bunch of questions in advance that I am going to... um, that I'm going to share. Hey, Michelle with Baldwin. Uh, loved your takeover this weekend, by the way. Hey, Penny. Hey, uh, Katie. Nice to see you all here. Lucille. Lucille, you are such a cutie. I'm obsessed with your Instagram. That's Lucille the Boodle. Um, okay, so uh, <clears throat> first question came from 303 Lauren. Uh, said, what are your favorite toys that can be safely in the crate with the dog while human is otherwise engaged? Um, specifically for puppies. Uh, really great question. Hey, Coley. Um, so I gathered a couple things here to show you, Lauren, and I do usually post these on the podcast, so I'm going to try and be extra descriptive for those who are listening to this and not seeing this. Um, these are all things that we do sell uh, in our shop on East 7th Street, and that's also at storeforthedogs.com. Um, and these are all things that I feel pretty comfortable leaving in the crate with a dog when you're um, uh, trying to teach your dog to be happy and uh, alone in her crate, which my dog is doing right now. I'm going to move the camera. Hey, can you say hi to everybody? You're being so cute there in your crate just by yourself. <laughs> So I might hand these to her while I'm doing this. So first thing is actually just a Himalayan chew. These are made of yak milk. I'm going to give this to her after I show it off. You can have this in your crate, my love. Um, They're made of yak milk or maybe cow milk. They're like super hard cheese. They come in different sizes. This is just the one size we carry. Um, And uh, I like them because um, they, they don't tend to like chip uh, and if you give your dog a nice big one like this, I think it's very unlikely that it's going to get to the point that it's going to be so small that your dog is going to um, swallow it. I mean, maybe if you leave them for a really long time. But I would feel comfortable, especially while I'm home, leaving a dog with um, a Himalayan chew, also sometimes called a yak chew, for at least um, a little while. Whereas a bully stick, I might be a little bit more worried the dog would eat it. Poppy. However, you can put a bully stick in a bully stick holder. Uh, love this. This is called the bully grip. I interviewed Vaso, who uh, is the woman who invented this. I interviewed her for the podcast recently. It's just a really cool, simple little toy. You can actually just also use it. Um, you can like stuff peanut butter in the hole or whatever, but the hole is uh, meant for a bully stick. And like so, you put it in and twist, and it really like locks in there really hard to get it out this is me 
really pulling it really hard to get out um, and uh, so I give these to Poppy all the time in the crate without worrying that she's gonna swallow any bit of the crate Poppy this one's coming at you too your lucky day um, then there is the Groove, which is a really neat product. Um, it's made by the people who make the Revol crate, um, which is the crate I tend to recommend more than any others. It's the one that Poppy has. It fits in the Revol crate, but you can put it in other crates too. It's not specifically, it doesn't only go in the Revol. And uh, <clears throat> basically like you smear it with peanut butter or wet food or whatever, put it in the crate on the side, twist it and it like literally sits in the crate so um that uh you don't have to worry about your dog uh taking it out chewing it apart chewing it up etc etc it also comes with like this cap so sometimes what i've done is i've taken bone broth and frozen it and put like put it in here put the bone broth in the thing put the cap on and then freeze the whole thing so then you have like a basically like a bone broth or peanut butter or whatever lollipop that you can shove in the side, twist it. Um, I think this is a really cool thing, and they're about 30 bucks. Um, again, you can get it at our shop online or in the East Village. And the last thing I was going to show you that I think is safe for crates is the topple. We uh, recommend the topple all the time at School for the Dogs. So many cool things that you can do with it. Um, it comes in two sizes. I think it's kind of like the modern updated equivalent of a Kong. Um, easier for a dog to get to the bottom. The Kong sometimes like dogs can't get to the end where this is a nice wide open mouth. It comes in two different sizes and you can actually, I don't have the other size handy, but this is the larger size. You can put the, the small size on top of the um, large size um, to create like a kibble ball uh, that comes out the hole. The stuff comes out the hole. You can use it, um, put two of them together and stick a bully stick through it. Um, but what's nice about using it in a crate, first of all, I mean, I would probably just let Poppy have this alone in the crate without worrying about her destroying it because it is pretty sturdy. Um, if you have a, like a super chewer dog, you might worry about that. You might want to only watch them with it. Um, Westpaw, the company that makes it, they're a Montana based company. They do have a lifetime warranty on all their toys. So if your dog does chew it, you can send it back to them and they will replace it. But what you can do is, um, just get like a zip tie and kind of like the groove, you can just like tie this with a zip tie to the side of your crate. Um, fill it with wet food, fill it with peanut butter, whatever. And that's another really great way to keep your dog occupied in the crate. Uh, so thank you for that question, Lauren. Um, always fun to get to show off some of, uh, <laughs> some of the many, many dog toys I have at home. Um, I'm, there's like, I'm, we're, we're constantly trying to, you know, get rid of stuff in our New York City apartment. And there's always like negotiations with, uh, with my husband about what we can and cannot keep. And I always say, I'm, you never know, you never know we're gonna, when we're going to need all of these dog toys uh, on hand. Okay, uh, more questions. Let's see if I can add them right from here. Okay, uh, this next question comes from... East Village Enzo, a new puppy client of ours, I believe, at School for the Dogs. Hello, Enzo. Uh, Enzo's people say, how do I get a 12-week-old puppy to potty outside in New York City? He waits for the wee-wee pad inside. Understandable. Um, 
you know, you might, if, if you uh, are into podcasts, you might listen to the podcast episode I did about my puppy, um, Poppy, and my, my, our struggles with getting her to go <laughs> outside. Um, I think, you know, for one thing, I, I, I always tell people, like, if when you have a puppy, the spring, the summer, it, it's only going to get easier. It's only going to get easier for your dog to feel comfortable outside. It's also only going to get easier for your dog to feel comfortable uh, outside um, as he gets older. For now, I really wouldn't stress out that much. Um, I would try and get him out as often as you can. Uh, carry him outside so that you're not uh, risking that he's going to go in the hallway. Um, put him down outside somewhere as quiet as possible. You can experiment with different substrates outside. You can try grass. Uh, some dogs like to go on like, you know, like manhole covers. You can try um, what other? What else is outside? Grates. Uh, <clears throat> um, give him a chance. Don't you know? Tug him a lot. Let him sniff around. Um, but mostly, if you have a twelve-year-old, twelve-week-old puppy, I'm more interested in you helping him feel good about being outside than I am in making sure that he's pottying outside. Yes, we do want him to um, learn to pee and poop outside, and you should be giving him as many opportunities as you can to do that, to do the right thing. And if he does go, um, definitely say uh, say yes and give a treat and throw a party. Um, we have a really good house training guide that you can download uh, at schoolforthedogs.com slash house um, on how to put up how to put peeing and pooping on cue among other things um, but yeah I wouldn't sweat it too much I'm more interested in him just learning to feel good uh, about being outside and I think often we like stack on the uh, we stack on all the things that we want from our dogs right like this dog is three months old probably just moved to New York City from I don't know I'm guessing like rural Pennsylvania and now we want him to get used to wearing a leash and get used to wearing a collar and get used to wearing a harness and get used to walking on the city streets and do this uh the behavior that leaves an animal kind of vulnerable right peeing and pooping <laughs> in this public area where there's lots of uh, noises and smells and sounds etc cetera, etc cetera. so one thing at a time um if you have a small dog um not sure how big enzo is but i i often recommend um, putting a uh, putting a smaller dog in a bag, getting the bag outside, just making sure getting the dog in the bag outside, just making sure they're having some good quality time with you outside, where they feel safe. They might not your dog might not feel safe at this point um, down on the sidewalk, down on the ground, on the busy streets. You know, um, sometimes I find it's useful uh, with when I'm working with clients to remind them that you know the world looks very different when you're only six inches or a foot off from the ground you know put your head down on the ground look up everything's above you people are coming at you things are coming at you so anyway that's that's my um, long way of saying don't stress give him a lot of opportunities do reward if he does go outside and um, make sure to check out our house training guide um, schoolforthedogs.com slash house um, there's also a good podcast episode on house training that I think is mentioned in that guide guide okay uh next question comes from um elenianum best way to keep your puppy off the furniture question mark no and remove or off and treat uh don't let your dog on the furniture to begin with 
that's my my quick and dirty <laughs> response. Um, you know, behavior is being reinforced all the time. Positive reinforcement is not necessarily something that we are doing to a dog. Um, if your dog goes up on the furniture, your dog is probably enjoying being on the furniture. The behavior uh, is inherently rewarding. Um, if you come up and say no to him, um, he still got some moments at least of enjoying being on the furniture. And, you know, a big reason why we try and stay away from like scolding and that kind of thing is because you don't want your dog to be like, you know, oh, it's fine when I'm on the furniture as long as the person's not around, right? Or um, it's fine when I'm on the furniture, um, but sometimes uh, the person comes into the room and is mad at me um, and uh, they, you know, pe people are bad. <laughs> you don't know what it is. Or maybe your dog is looking at the doorknob at the moment that you come in and yell at him and then he's worried about, you know, doorknobs. We don't know what associations the dog is making. Also, I think I think a lot of the times when we are yelling no or whatever at a dog, the dog is actually like, yay, the human's paying attention to me. Like we give them too much credit for actually understanding that we are scolding them. So uh, I say in arrange the environment in such a way where you're not going to get the behavior you don't like. Uh, and encourage the likelihood that you are going to get the behavior that you do want. Um, make sure your dog has a really, really cushy, comfy, comfy, comfy bed near the sofa so that your dog is like, you know, wow, I bet my person wishes they could get into my bed. <laughs> um, put lots of delicious things on the bed. Um, and, uh, you know, when, the, when you are out or you don't want the dog to get in the couch, either keep your dog out of that room make good use of baby gates, use a crate, um, you know, or I, I've had clients who will put things on the couch to make the couch um, not accessible to the dog, you know, put a, put, put a folding chair, put a ladder sideways on the couch. Um, regular podcast listeners might know that my dad's approach to dealing with getting uh, his pets to not go on his bed was he would cover his, his bed with uh, mousetraps, which I don't suggest doing, but that's like an extreme example of how to keep keep an animal away from your furniture. Um, and actually, just today, uh, an example of this kind of like arranging the environment in order to keep your dog from doing the behaviors you don't want. Um, we picked up all of our rugs when we got Poppy while we were working on um, house training her. And uh, she, she mostly goes on a grass patch actually now, um, and she does really well with it. And we thought we might uh, start putting down the rugs again. Um, but this one rug, she is like, she, this morning she started, as soon as I put it down, she was like eating every side of the rug, pulling it up, um, driving me nuts. And so I finally uh, got some like, uh, like weights and uh, I put like a kettlebell, <laughs> a kettlebell and like other like free weights on each corner of the um, of the rug uh, to keep it down because I don't want her to develop this habit of um, of chewing the sides of the rug. And uh, I want like chewing the side of the rug to be like a dis that which happened this morning and I'm sure was positively reinforced because doing it was fun. Um, I just want that behavior to like fade into the background and in a few days when she forgets that that was a hobby of hers, um, I will try lifting up the sides of the rug. Anyway, hope that helps. Um, but yeah, you know, a lot of these things I, I see uh, 
Leah just said, I'm so glad George doesn't do <laughs> that with the rug anymore. You know, a lot of these things are things puppies grow out of. Um, so I think that, um, I think that, you know, things, things do get better. Vagabond, uh, pause says, is using body pressure to encourage walking positive punishment? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, actually, you know, uh, I just did an episode on negative, uh, negative punishment and sort of like the interplay between negative punishment and positive reinforcement. Like if you think about the like negative punishment, positive punishment, um, positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement on like, uh, like four parts of a quadrant, the diagonals tend to, um, work in tandem. Um, so if you're using positive punishment, you're often also using negative reinforcement. And um, so if you are uh, using body pressure to encourage um, a dog to walk, I guess, I mean, if you, if the pressure is uncomfortable and that is making your dog move forward, for example, then that would actually be an example of negative reinforcement. Your dog moves in order to make the bad feeling go away. If something's going away, it's negative. And if you're encouraging the behavior of moving forward, then it is uh, reinforcement. But you could also say um, the pressure, you're adding pressure in order to discourage the behavior of standing still or whatever. So I would say um, it could be positive punishment. It could be negative reinforcement. It's probably a little bit of both. Um, and, uh, you know, pushing a dog into a position or pulling or, you know, it's not my go-to way to teach something, um, to teach something like leash walking or to teach really most things. Is it going to happen sometimes? I mean, I think we, we're all guilty of sometimes putting pressure on a leash because, you know, you're on one side of something, your dog is on the other side of the thing. Like pressure, there, there's pressure on one side or the other at some point. Um, so I don't think anybody could say that they've never pulled a, a dog on a leash because it's going to happen, um, whether or not you mean to. Um, but I would avoid, uh, making that your go-to way of trying to get your dog to move and instead encourage the behavior of the dog moving, figure out how you can, um, reinforce the dog for moving, entice the dog to move. Um, so many ways that you can do that and, um, you know, one, of course, you can use food, you can use treats, you can play, use play, um, but, uh, you know, a non-food, a non non-toy motivator that I find works with many dogs is just walking really fast and switching directions a lot. You want to be, you want to be an exciting person to follow outside. You want your dog to be like, you know, God, I never know where Annie's going to go when we're outside. I really got to pay attention to her rather than, um, you know, putting on the brakes or trying to get out ahead of you. Um, and I also think for most dogs, it can be helpful to keep walks short. Um, and that can seem counterintuitive, especially if, if you have a dog who's not going a lot outside, which reaches back, I think it was Enzo's question about going outside. Keep walks short so that they're not overwhelming. Keep walks short so that if you're trying to get your dog to eliminate, the elimination is more likely to have happened in the beginning of the walk. Whereas if you um, are walking outside with your dog for, you know, like 30 minutes and then they go, your dog is learning, well, we go outside for 30 minutes and then I go. Um, I'd prefer you go in uh, after 10 minutes, five minutes, 
and then try again 20 minutes later. The pee will have happened at the same time of day, um, 30 minutes later, but it will, hap will have happened um, when you first go out on your walk. And um, I guess that doesn't really relate to your question, but it just occurred to me and I thought I would say it. <laughs> uh, let's see. Curly Kathy Sue, hey there, says we're on the waiting list for the Sidewalk Psychos class. Is the list really, really long, being that you only accept four dogs at a time? Um, that's a good question. I'm not going to um, hop off of this right now to look at the waiting list, but I am happy to do so. If you want to DM us, we can take a look and let you know how long it might be. Um, I would also, in the meantime, just suggest that you look at maybe some of our virtual classes. We have on-demand classes, um, and uh, we also have um, some really good workshops that we are offering on reactive dog stuff. So, um, you know, make sure to keep up with what we're doing on our newsletter. Check out the on-demand stuff. You can find the on-demand courses at schoolforthedogs.com slash courses. Okay, I think I have time for a couple more questions. I got so many good questions today. Um, mm -mm -mm. Lena, Laura, Na Naravez says, how do I best train, how best to train yourself before getting a dog, especially in preparing for fosters? Um, again, I'd say check out our on-demand courses. A good dog training course, I think, uh, is a really good primer. Um, you can certainly do it before you get a dog. It does not involve uh, a lot of hands-on stuff with a dog, and it's going to give you a really good background. Um, again, schoolforthedogs.com slash courses, or if you look at the um, pop-up that'll come up if you go to our website there's um, our master class there um, which has more information about the course and a special offer at the end including a 20% discount uh, at storeforthedogs.com um, yeah I would say check that out I'm also happy to you know recommend any number of of books uh, you can check out the books that we have in our online store puppy primer is one we rec recommend a lot um, perfect puppy in seven days <coughs> uh, I like the book culture clash um, and don't shoot the dog it's just kind of like general overviews for how to think about dog training but if you're um, if you're thinking about training yourself before getting a dog um, I think you're already ahead of the game so good for you um, yeah hope that helps answer that question all right um, love me some Katie, I love me some Katie, <laughs> says, what should I do when a puppy cries overnight besides taking him outside to potty? Um, mm, you know, that's a hard question to address in this context because I don't really know the details. Um, however, uh, you know, I can tell you that one reason that a lot of the times dogs cry at night I've experienced uh, is we put them in crates like in the other room and I think that can be very scary for a dog, um, especially a dog who hasn't spent a lot of time alone yet. If you are gonna use a crate at night, um, which you may or may not choose to do, make sure your dog is in a place where your dog can see you. Um, that is a small adjustment that I've seen. It makes a big difference for a lot of dog owners. Um, that might mean having to put the crate a little bit higher than it might normally be or it might mean you needing to sleep on the floor, um, but put the dog in the room with you. Um, I also find sometimes it can help to like put a dog to bed, like you put a kid to bed, put them in, put them in the crate or wherever you're gonna put them. 
um, you know, talk to them, <laughs> sing a song if you need to. But, you know, you can sort of help help the dog settle down. Um, the snuggle puppy uh, is a tool that I often suggest. I think we're not carrying it right now, but if you Google snuggle puppy, you'll find it. Um, it's basically like just a toy that you can stuff a heating pad into. It comes with heating pads, actually. Um, and it comes with this little heart-shaped, um, I don't know what you call it, thing, thingy, <laughs> uh, that, that like beats. Um, and uh, you can shove that in this toy as well. And I think that um, I've seen for some dogs, it's made a big difference. You know, dogs are used to, puppies especially, are used to sleeping in piles with other puppies. So um, I think it can like mimic that experience for them of the old school way of doing it would be like get a hot water bottle and a kitchen timer and a pillow and stuff them all together into like a pillowcase and um, let your dog snuggle up with that. All right, I think I can answer one more question here. And the other ones I'm gonna try and get to, I guess next week. Um, hey there, Penny says, how do you get a puppy? to eat her kibble if she only wants to eat treats and people food. Um, you know, I'm not a food expert, but I say trust your puppy. If your dog doesn't want to eat the food, don't make them eat the food. Um, sometimes they they know something that we don't. Um, kibble, especially, uh, I highly suggest looking at Truth About Pet Food. Um, I think it's truthaboutpetfood.com and pick the kibbles that they recommend. There is so much scary crap in so many dog foods. Um, I have sort of vowed to myself now to only pick foods that are on um, Sue Thixton's list. She creates a list every year um, of the best dog foods. I think it's, I think you can buy it. It's like ten dollars. Um, the the food that I've been giving my dog a dry food from there. I think it's um that that I saw on her recommend recommended list by Open Farms. Um, you know, one tip if your dog isn't eating dry food is to get another bag and get a smaller bag um, because although, you know, it can seem um, like the economical thing to do to get like a big Costco size type uh, bag of dog food, um, it can actually develop like mites and mold and stuff that your dog might be detecting that you're not detecting. Um, but beyond that, you know, try a different brand. See if she likes a different brand. Um, or even better, go towards something um, fresh, uh, something in the frozen section of the pet food store. Um, uh, you know, uh, Stella and Chewy's makes these, like, dehydrated patties that I like to use because you can break them up and, and give them. You could also try giving, if she's not liking the food um, that you're giving her in a bowl, you could try giving it to her in training. So give, like, you know make sort of like a trail mix, 50% treats, 50% um, food. And uh, so she doesn't know like what the piece is that she's gonna get next. Um, you could also put it in a toy. You know, sometimes I think if dogs are, are eating food out of a toy or um, eat, getting food in training, it becomes more like points in a game to them and they're actually more excited about their food than they would be. My old dog Amos was totally like that. Like he would leave a bowl of kibble um, he wouldn't touch his bowl of kibble for hours, but then if I started using it in training, it became like a great prize that um, that he absolutely had to have. Um, <clears throat> all right, I think 
I'm gonna let's see if I can get one more question in here. Thank you all, all of you, uh, for being here. Um, Bubster underscore Westie says, "How do I uh, combat major biting teething as a puppy who's nine weeks old, and how long does this stage la- last?" Oh, you know, we also have a really good um, guide to teaching dogs to not nip. Hey, Alex, if you're in this room, can you put the link to our um, our guide to not nipping? I forget what it is. Um, I forget what the short link is. Uh, yeah, you know, puppies are gonna, he's gonna grow out of nipping. Nipping is a totally normal, <laughs> nipping is a totally normal thing for puppies. Um, actually, I do have a podcast episode also on nipping um, that I suggest you check out. That's pretty in-depth. Um, but, you know, the, the major things if you're dealing with nipping are, first of all, make sure your dog is getting a lot of really good playtime with other dogs. I think that's the number one reason that dogs use their mouths with us inappropriately is they're hoping <laughs> that their mouths, their mouths will turn us into other puppies. They need to be playing with other puppies. That's how they learn learn to use their mouths. That's how they learn to use their bite pressure appropriately. Um, so make sure that, um, that your dog's getting some good playtime. Make sure your dog has some really good things to chew. The Himalayan chew that I showed you before. Bully sticks. Uh, again, you know, certain things you're maybe not going to want to leave your dog unattended with, um, but you can use some of those um, tools that I showed you before. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, work to eat toys. Also a really good way to make sure your dog is using his mouth appropriately um, so that you know they're getting to work out their, their jaw and their tongue on something other than you. Beyond that, I really love flirt poles and really like any long um, tug toy. Um, actually, I have a flirt pole right here. I'm gonna go get it to show you. Uh, <clears throat> it's like a big fishing pole. You could even make your own. Uh, we do sell these in our online shop. Um, I don't know how puppy people with puppies like live without these, quite frankly. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, you could make your own. It's basically like PVC pipe. Get some bungee cord and tie a, a thingy to the end of it. Um, this one has a s- squeaky toy in it. Poppy's like, here, Poppy, you want to show how you play with your fur po- flirt pole? Let's see. Anyway, um, there's, it's, it's just a really great way to basically play tug and get your, help your dog get some energy out. Go get it. Uh, that keeps your hand nice and far away from your dog's mouth. Um, it also, you know, like in some ways it's a lot better than like throwing a ball or something like that because you don't have to run and get it. It's always attached to the device or I mean to the stick. Um, a lot of fun training that you could do with flirt pole too. So anyway, go get yourself a flirt pole if you have a puppy. I seriously, I don't know how, I don't know how people with puppies live without flirt poles. They're just that necessary. Um, or like I said, at least a long tug toy, but something that's going to put like a nice amount of distance between your hand and uh, your puppy's mouth. Right, puppy? You got it? You got it? Uh. Yeah, I know you love it. You love it. Um, 
All right, I don't have the short link. Gilby, do you have the short link to our, I mean, Gilby, Alex, do you have the short link uh, to the nipping episode or our, our um, or the guide? Um, you could find it if you just look up um, School for the Dogs nipping i think you will find the podcast episode um you know sometimes i'll also just get like a really long bully stick and let um let a dog chew on the other end of the bully stick that's a way that your dog can like spend time with you and also uh you know spend time near you but but use use the mouth appropriately oh hey dig's pet just joined i was just showing everybody the groove guys this is made by made by my friends at dig's uh, I totally love this thing. All right, I think that's uh, enough questions for today. I actually didn't get to all the questions, um, but uh, I will answer some more um, next week. You can uh, also ask a question in advance if you go to schoolforthedogs.com uh, slash Q&A. And... Um, Oh, the other thing is tomorrow at noon, um, I'm going to go on Clubhouse to uh, ask the question, um, what, what is your definition of a good dog? Um, I did an episode a long time ago, actually, on what is good dog training and talked about what I think good dog training is. And um, I wanted to do a follow-up to uh, that episode about what a good dog is. And I... Um, I was going to like go to the dog park and interview people, um, but um, we're hard to do that these days in, in, in uh, lockdown land. Um, so I thought, you know, Clubhouse might be a nice way to do that. Um, <clears throat> so uh, join me on Clubhouse tomorrow at noon. I'm there at Annie Grossman. Um, if you need a Clubhouse invite, I have some. Happy to share one with you. You can uh, just text me at 917-414-2625. All right. Thanks for being here. Bye-bye.